What's going on, baby? Nate Kennedy, the new money podcast, episode 20. Damn, episode 20. We got episode 20, guys. Good, good stuff. Let's keep it going. Anyway, episode 20, deferring Ivy Business School to pursue the startup world with Raghav Midha. How y'all doing, man? Hope you guys are having a great day whenever you are listening to this. This week's interview, I have one of my best buddies, Raghav, who I really think this guy's story is so amazing and I know it pretty well, but I wanted to share it with you guys because I think a lot of people uh, might go through some of the stuff that Raghav went through and uh, he decided to take sort of a radical approach and we kind of walked through that and we walked through, you know, what he learned from it and how he grew from it. And I think it's a really insightful sort of interview for anybody in their early 20s in school, just going into school, whatever, to, you know, not be afraid to be curious, not be afraid to explore. Again, guys, if you do like the show, I highly encourage you to go leave me a review if you listen to Apple Podcasts and shoot me a DM on Instagram at the New Money Podcast. Any questions you guys have, I love answering them on the show. But without further ado, let's just dive on into it, baby. Uh, so Raga, take us through it, man, from the beginning, humble beginnings, bro. Tell us about who you are and, and where you come up and, and how you sort of uh, found yourself where you are. Uh, sure, man. I pre- appreciate that, that intro. Um, <laughs> but, but honestly, it's a, it's a pretty humble story. I'll say that. Like, um, so I'll say, you know, where I am today, um, just some context to where the end of the story goes is that, you know, I just started actually as a growth product manager with a startup in Toronto called North One. Uh, it's a fintech company uh, focused on banking for small businesses. Um, and also a recent grad of Ivy where, you know, uh, Nate and I went to, to school together at Western. My story is kind of, I would say, a little bit different than the typical person that, that kind of went to business school, went through the business school track. Um, and I took a lot of risks along the way. You know, some of them paid off, some of them didn't. And like, yeah, I'll just walk through it with you. My first two years came, came into Western, um, studying economics. And I'm not going to lie, I bounced around a few programs, actually, those, those first couple of years. Um, just trying to explore interests, figure out what I liked. Um, and I would say that I was highly ambitious. Like, I was like super, super eager to, to find something, get into something, and just like attack it to the max. Um, but also at the same time, completely unaware of what I didn't know. So that was kind of the mindset I came into the school with. And then, you know, my first two years, you you know, you had just the classic challenges of of starting out university. Right. But where things like for me really changed was, was after my second year, I started, uh, I took this internship with this e-commerce company. It was called Shelfies. And they were just like, uh, just, just like a small, small team in Toronto, just like 10 people. Uh, The founder was only like 24 years old. And then there was uh, the 10 of us, and we're just like selling different products um, online. And what they were doing was all over print apparel. So if you remember, like you can get this stuff at like Boathouse now. It's like these like all over print shirts. Like you see like a shirt, pepperoni pizza printed all over it. Yeah. Or like just Trudeau's face. Like they they made that type of stuff and pulled it online. Uh, And this was really awesome for me. Like it was my first experience in the startup world, um, which I really wanted to get into. And it was also, you know, my first step into e-commerce, which at the time, 2017, was really, really booming. Like mm-hmm. that was the year that um, Amazon overtook uh, all of the big box stores in terms of like online, in terms of traffic um, mm-hmm. and how much sales that they were generating. I remember like some big stores starting to go bankrupt, like Toys R Us was really big news. 
So e-commerce was really hot in 2017. So I was excited to get into uh, the startup space and my first role being with, a, with an e-commerce company. And uh, in doing that, in doing my role there, it was like an analyst type of growth position, which was cool because I just got to work on a lot of different fun projects and they gave me the freedom to just kind of steer into whatever interested me but also would have a lot of impact and, and impact mm-hmm. in terms of like top line revenue or operational efficiency, whatever it was. But the biggest thing, you know, for me was in that summer was like learning how much I loved that atmosphere um, of a small team um, up against, you know, the big dogs, like trying yeah. to take them down, trying yeah. to just slowly build, build, build and see how much like impact we could actually start to have. Um, the other thing was honestly like that opening up into the e-commerce world specifically was uh, learning about Shopify. And mm-hmm. the Shopify platform, you know, we were a Shopify plus customer using their enterprise product. And I kind of really got exposed to that world. And at that time, you know, Shopify was a public company, pretty big, I think about half a million merchants, but they were really about to enter their growth mode. And I saw a ton of opportunity to work on the platform, like seeing where e-commerce was going, being this company, this really, really special Canadian company and what they were doing. And um, one thing I saw specifically was that they had this uh, uh, like a partner ecosystem on mm-hmm. Shopify and like has your own app build on top of Shopify stores. So to kind of explain it, like, you know, if Sh- if Shopify was the iPhone, then like they have an app store um, that adds on to that. So right. just like as you and I download apps to make our iPhone more powerful, Shopify merchants will download the same type of apps to make their business more powerful. So right. things like, you know, accounting software, payroll software, um, marketing tools, all that stuff. And it was like super underdeveloped. It was a super underdeveloped ecosystem for how many merchants that they had. And I I saw it as like where the app store was in like 2009, 2010, when the iPhone just came out. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting. Like if you got an app out in that time and it was like decently good and you were the best at whatever vertical you're in and you just stayed with the platform and grew with the platform, like you you were like a top app company today. And whatever it was, like if it was like the first like stopwatch app and you built it, like just growing with the platform, you would get hundreds of thousands, millions of viewers, uh, downloads over time. So I saw like this opportunity in Shopify, like with this underdeveloped ecosystem. And then I came together with a guy, um, Amid, who's a mentor of mine that was also in the space. And then we started building some apps together on the platform. And I was doing this while I was doing my internship at Shelfies. So it was like a pretty packed summer for me. like nine to five, do my work at Shelfies. And then from six to like 10 PM, I would get together with Ahmed and a couple other guys. And we would be brainstorming about like new apps that we want to develop. I met Ahmed the, about a year before. And, and okay. Ahmed is like still today, like really, really close uh, friend of mine and mentor of mine. And we've worked together a lot in tight quarters. But I met him about a year before. His wife and I took this course together at a digital skills school called BrainStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Toronto and they, they teach like web development product management all that stuff so I, I did a coding course there and met uh, his wife Hamna and then on like the demo day where we kind of demoed our projects Ahmed came and like gave everybody feedback and he, he and I really clicked and he has an interesting super interesting background too actually like he went to Queen's Commerce left Queen's Commerce started did a couple different startups um, that honestly like he will tell this himself like failed completely like completely failed flat right. out space after that, went to Deloitte, um, did consulting there with Deloitte Digital. And then uh, that was around the time him and I met. I met him when he was at Deloitte. Right, yeah. right. So, so then, so back to like the summer, we started working together on different apps. You know, I'm doing my internship at Shelfies. And then Ahmed is also uh, at Deloitte. 
And then there's one app that is out called Scout, but I won't really get into what it does, but it's like a, it's basically like a recovery tool. Like you kind of like somebody goes out of your funnel, you try to bring them back in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we see this app like really start to take off through that summer. It went from zero to like 2000 merchants using it, uh, which was pretty exciting. And the, the place that I was at at the time was like, you know, I'm spending this summer where I'm literally working nine to nine at two different startups. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I felt like I learned so much more than I did in my first two years in university. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really didn't want it to end. And then at the same time, I feel like I'm, I'm meeting people and connecting people that are just like w- much more my wavelength. Um, people that are like legit, real people that, you know, don't have egos, but are about getting things done. And right. that was really exciting for me as well. Because like in university and business school, I mean, everybody is super ambitious, wanting to get into these type of spaces. Yeah. But they're not really willing to admit that, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, sometimes people try to like overinflate how much they do or what they've done or just, you know, go fake it till you make it. Ego. Yep. Ego. Yeah. And I was was just like, I was really frustrated with that actually my second year of school. So it was awesome in the summer to like start going into like a a space where like everybody was really real. And then Mm -hmm. Ahmed at the same time, like, he was itching to get out of Deloitte. Like he was like coming a guy that did startups and then went to consulting. Like he was really itching to get out of Deloitte. Right. Like it was just not something for him. So near the end of that summer, we, we decided that we were going to go full time with, with the company, um, with Scout and, um, Ahmed left Deloitte. I decided to defer my acceptance to Ivy. And at that time I was betting one year on this. And, um, my kind of thought process there was, like I said, like, I'm just learning so much more doing this than, than university right now. And I'm building a network, like, and like, I'm not thinking about a network in a transactional sense that, you know, these people are going to help me out later on. It's like, I'm thinking, I'm starting to build my tribe, like people that are like me that I really want to grow with. With that, knowing how much I was going to learn and how it was going to set me farther ahead, like I was, I was willing to take, take a year and, and bet on it. So from there, um, left, left my internship at Shelfies, Emma and I got together. Um, we have the app that's doing really well. We have ideas for other ones. And then we just, we get our first office space on, uh, Near King and Bathurst, literally a shoebox. This thing was <laughs> no bigger, bigger than my bedroom. Yeah, um, yeah There was yeah. literally just enough space for, for two guys to sit next to each other mm-hmm. with one window. And that's kind of where we started. And, you know, Ahmed was doing all of, like, the business marketing stuff. And then I was doing, like, um, at that time, like, a lot of coding, uh, software development, and a little bit of product stuff. And we just start um, growing scout, but also building different apps and everything was in the space of like e-commerce. And we did this for the course of a year and we had like a really interesting like thesis, which like, I think it'd be cool to share. You know, the whole idea of the company was that we were going to focus on customer experience apps, mm-hmm. that we were going to focus on, you know, things that allowed, um, merchants to build more human relationships with their customers and, and better, stronger relationships. Yeah. Like the hypothesis that we had about e-commerce at that time in 2017, was that, you know, there's uh, Am- there's going to be Amazon. Um, like the future of retail would be Amazon, kind of like taking over commodities, like, right. you know, toilet paper, all of these CPG products. Like you would just get that from Amazon. You wanted it as frictionless as possible. And then the big box stores would still be around, like the Walmarts, Home Depots, Canadian Tires, like they would last as well. And then there would be like all of these niche players, like, yeah. Uh, you know, luxury products or, you know, products that are like uh, really specialized, like, you know, like mountain climbing gear or like sports products, stuff like that. And you would want to get that from like somebody who is an expert or somebody that's going to give you a better experience or, you know, something that's going to like invoke some kind of emotion in you. Right. Like if you're right. like when you're buying a, a product. Right. So Shopify was kind of building into that area. Like if you look at Shopify, like you 
those are the type of products and type of stories you see from Shopify merchants. And with them, like, you know, it was going to be incredibly important for those merchants to be able to differentiate themselves, not on their products, but on the experience that they were offering. So that was our thesis. And with, with that, with all of our apps, we were kind of thinking in that realm. And over the course of a year, I want to say we built maybe like 10 different apps, all of them as experiments, mm-hmm. just released them. We, I would say we, in the end, we had three successful apps we found product market fit with and, mm-hmm. and started growing them. We went from that kind of small office, um, King and Bathurst to like this bigger space um, near uh, Bathurst and College. And also at the same time, you know, with Ahmed's consulting background, um, you know, we did, we built up a, a consultancy side of the business as well. So we kind of expanded to become more of an e-commerce solutions company. Okay. So, you know, on the one side, we have these apps. Um, and, the, and that we have a, we have these different SaaS products um, that we're building, and then we're also doing uh, different consulting work for for merchants and, and retailers. And and initially that was kind of just to like pay the bills, to yeah. generate some cash flow because we have these apps that like aren't generating enough revenue to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that was a really cool experience for me too. You know, getting to work with a lot of like retailers in Toronto, um, look at you know what what do strategies look like to get them to go online and kind of join like the momentum of online shopping. And then we even had some like cool opportunities to work with uh, guys like Fred Van Vliet, uh, building his online store, you know, uh, bet on yourself and then and right. getting him set up. Um, so like that was kind of the story. And then we were at a good place. Um, after about a year, um, we had grown the team as well a little bit. And we had some, some really strong strategies moving forward of the type of company that we wanted to build. But for me at that time, you know, I kind of felt like after a year that I extracted a lot of value from that experience, really trying to go zero to one with this company and gained a lot of skills. But at the same time, I felt like in some ways I was really exposed a lot as well. Like yeah. going from, you know, just two years of, of university where honestly, I didn't really know like what I wanted to do, right? I'm kind of just spending two years before I, you know, go to business school and then, you know, working full time like literally in the trenches, like nine to nine every day um, with the same team and just trying different stuff. Like I really recognized really what my strengths were and what my weaknesses were. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like over the course of the year, like I gained a better sense of what is it that I really want to do. And, you know, kind of with that knowledge, I decided that I wanted to go back to school and reinvest in myself mm-hmm. uh, and really go back to school with the mindset of, you know, these are like four things that I think like I could really work on developing myself if I go back to school. And then I also had like this greater like perspective and knowledge about these different industries and technology and digital transformation. And I really wanted to like add the business business school skills onto that. So after about a year and a half, I just I talked to the founders and and kind of let them know or uh, that I'm going to go back to school. Um, and I want to do both of together. I wanted to keep doing Scout, this uh, e-commerce company, um, while also doing school at the same time. And this is HBA one Ivy that we're talking about, and and they supported me, which which, which is amazing. Like these these guys yeah. just wanted me to do it. And then uh, this brings up to to 2018. I start Ivy, and I'm doing the company at the same time. And at this point, I'm I'm really like head of product and, and engineering for us, like leading all front end development, um, and really all, most like uh, product initiatives. And I spent all of HBA one, uh, you know, Monday to Friday, you know cases, 48-hour reports, all of that stuff, but every single weekend for an entire year, uh, driving back to Toronto to work with the team, um, you know, level set on the work done throughout the week, work on strategy, um, work on all of that stuff, which was a really intense year, man. I was I was pretty tired that whole that whole year, man. I was yeah, I can imagine. 
with with when you were going through school and stuff like that and you're kind of figuring it out and from your story i can tell that you're very you're curious i mean i know you i know that but mm -hmm. when you were in that startup with shelfies and then you transitioned into working on uh with amit on, on scout what was the aha moment for you where you're like i'm not going back like like and and what sort of repercussions did you face did your parents disagree like how what was the what was the pushback on that yeah man that's a great question like it it feels so long ago but that, that like now that you you remind me of it like that was a tough process to go to because i was torn for some time man because um thinking about that decision you know it was not easy to make it was not easy yeah. to make it was like a really big risk so so I'll start off with like the aha moment. I would say it was no moment in time. It was generally like a feeling that was just building and building through the Gradually. summer. Okay. Yeah. Like I started, I mean, you know, it's a four month summer in university it goes from May to August. I think I started working with Amit like in, in, the, in early June. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we were doing this every day, man. Like I, after my internship, you know, every single day, you know, he would leave Deloitte. I would leave um, Shelfie's office and we would meet uh, in a co-working space and just work on this. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, we have a revolving door of people that are coming in, helping us out from all these different startups in, in Toronto. And it was just a it was just a feeling that was building over time. Having these these sessions, um, the stuff that I was learning in, in my in my internship, and then um, having conversations with all of these people that I'm meeting, like it was a feeling that built over time. That I knew for a fact that I'm getting a hell of a lot more out of this these few months than I did my first two years of university. Yeah, right. But, exactly. Yeah, and I felt I felt I was you know literally undergoing a transformation. Like mm -hmm. so, it was a feeling that was building, and then I kind of started playing with this idea probably near the end of uh, July. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's you no. Know, my first thing was let me introduce it to 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 Ahmed, who, who would be the guy that we really need to make the decision together. We talked about it, and we kind of came up with sort of a scorecard for you know, what do, what do I need? What, what does he need to make this happen? Mm -hmm. uh, making it happen, meaning like me not going back to school and him uh, going full time um, right. and leaving Deloitte. And um, there was, I forget what was on, but it was a few, few items on the scorecard, which was, you know, basically like we need to get a space together. We need to have these resources to really, you know, give this the type of, uh, I mean, really the resourcing that it needs to, to accelerate it, you know, the, the project mm -hmm. that we're working on. Um, there were just some certain expectations that I had from Ahmed and from a mentorship, learning perspective that, that I needed. And, and, and everything on that front was really no problem. And like, that's kind of, we kind of decided that's what we want to do and work toward it. Um, and, it, you know, he also had some expectations for me um, in terms of what my input dedication was going to look like. And, and there was no problems there. Mm. And I think the next phase of this was kind of like socializing it a little bit with my friends. Yeah. Like, you know, people were talking, looking forward to next year. I mean, ah, I don't know if I'm going to be there. And <laughs> just getting those, getting those reactions a little bit. And then, <laughs> and that was tough to do, man, because like you want to, you want to go through all of these milestones with your friends. Exactly. Like, like that's not that, that's not that easy to do, to just not, not go back when like all of your friends are going back and going to third year. And especially a lot of my friends, we were going to start Ivy together, which was supposed to be a, like a really special experience for us. Mm -hmm. So that was another piece of it. And then uh, the other piece was my parents. We, we were like not in support at all. They were like not in support. Wow. They were really against it. They were really, really not into it. Um, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, they were really not into it. I mean, I remember my dad saying like, what the hell is it? Like, who, who the hell guy is this? Like, how is he, how are you guys thinking about this? Like, yeah. um, 
honestly, like it came to a point where like I warmed them up to it and, and they were still not in support of it when I did it, but they were respectful of what my decision was going to be and, uh, and let it, and let it stay up to me. Um, I'm pretty lucky. Like I don't have my parents really try to control me. They've always kind of let me, you know, come up, come up to my own decisions with really everything that I've wanted to do. And mm-hmm. I think about it, like they've really given me the opportunity to, to, to make my decisions up the whole way through. Um, mm-hmm. So like that was the process that I really went to, and then uh, and then when I decided, I wanted to see how I was gonna feel. So I wanted to see how I was gonna sit with me. So I decided in, in August, and I started going with that decision, and I felt lighter after I said that I'm not gonna go back and I'm gonna do this. Right. Um, so I know that it was the right call. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, afterwards it was a bit tough the first couple of months. Um, honestly, I just dove as much into the work as I could. I'll tell you those first three months, September, October, November, Ahmed and I worked every single day. We did, yeah. we did not take a day off. We worked every single day. Um, we would work like, we would, we would be probably at like 9, 10 a.m. And, and then work consistently until like 12, you know, midnight, 1 a.m. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like we did that every day um, and did not take a day off. I remember that. And um, I was really just trying to, you know, there, there were a lot of like distractions become from the world that, that I was a part of in university and I yeah. was just you know knowing that I made the decision to kind of cut from that momentarily to focus on this I wanted to make sure that I was you know making the most of the decision I'd taken and investing myself uh, as much as I could right. and um you know three months of going full-time like that then you know we were starting to get burned out so we take one day off a week two days off a week and they yeah. kind of shaped normal you know nine to nine Monday to Friday which was good. and I'll tell you you know with my parents I would say after four months after like we went into the new year, um, they were like, they didn't mention it again. They did not like mention this decision again. They, they saw the transformation that I was, that I felt was kind of building underneath. They saw it come out to the surface and they understood, you know, how, how, how big this was for me and how much I was able to grow from it. And um, looking back now, whenever we, we talk about that, like it's, uh, it was always, it always looked like it was the right decision. That it was such a great decision for me to do that. That's great, man. That's great to hear. Um, you know, it's, it's a really tough thing transitioning, like from whatever discipline or whatever area in your life. And like personally, like even, I, I mean, it's not as, um, I guess radical, but when I switched programs, I like dealt with a lot of that with my, with my, uh, my mom actually, because I was originally going to be going into the med school science route. And that was just, I was like, nah, I'm doing business. And that was hard to navigate. So that's, that's definitely a hard thing at our age, but you know, like listening to your story, man, it's awesome. And when you're going through the, these startups and you're, you're feeling that growth, that transformation and things like that, what's your like, why, like why, what, what drives you to, is it curiosity? Is it, is it money? Is it like, what exactly is, is pulling you in the direction that you, you keep finding yourself going towards? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And I'll tell you like, it's not money. Like for sure. It's not money. I'm, right. I'm going to be honest. Like, you got you to gotta put it out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. It's, it's really not money at all. Like, yeah. um, and I'm not just saying that to be like, Oh, this guy doesn't care about money. Like yeah, I really yeah. don't, don't care. It's not a driving decision for me. Like when it comes to that, I, I always find to me, it looks like the most successful people, like they're not doing it for the money. I, I mean, they're, they're doing it because whatever they're working at, like they're passionate about it and they love it so much that they're willing to invest all of them because it fulfills them so much. And then they end up being, you know, the best at whatever they do. And that leads to the money when you're, when you're that good at whatever you do, that leads mm-hmm. to money. And then for me, just knowing like, you know, how blessed I am to, you know, 
speak Canadian to, you know, have gone to a great school and, and all of these things like that, no matter what happens, like I'm, I'm going to be okay, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I'm very fortunate for that. So, so money isn't something that I let really drive my decision because I'm not, I'm not that eager where like I need to have like this ridiculous lifestyle. Yeah. So for me, what the, the driver is, especially at this age, I would say is curiosity. Yeah. Um, absolutely curiosity. I kind of took this from Jeff Bezos, but it's like he, he li- lived his life with like a regret minimization framework. So he always tries to make the decisions that, you know, is going to lead to the least regret at the end of his life. He doesn't want to look back and, and, and have all of these big things that he missed out on because he was afraid to take a risk or, or afraid to make a change. He wants to minimize the regret. And I really adopted this when thinking about, you know, what am I going to do through my, through my 20s? And I want to try to steer into all my curiosities and figure out, like, you know, what is something I want to invest more into after I try it out? And what is something that I want to cut right away? This will kind of, like, allow me to find the things that really make me feel fulfilled. And that's what I'm ultimately searching for, to be, you know, at some place in my 30s or 40s where I know really what it is, like, what is my passion? What is the thing that's going to fulfill me? I don't think I know what that is yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I think you know in some areas, some areas of my life, like I have things that I know I'm passionate about, but with my career, uh, I wouldn't say that I have that yet. So for now, it's it's steering my through my curiosity, right, and scratching whatever itch is there, trying it out, and then kind of continuing to invest on it based on the return I'm getting out of it, and mm-hmm. that return is you know based on the feeling of of fulfillment. And if I'm not getting that, then I cut and move to the next thing. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. So like you know, with uh, early days. You know, it was startups, went to Shelfies, you know, see what does a startup look like? I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then got exposed to e-commerce, very, very interesting space. And I still still follow it a lot, um, even though I'm kind of moving into other things now. Very, very interesting space. I'm still excited to see how it develops. And I invested a lot into that. And then now kind of the next thing is like growth, product management, and um, now fintech. And, mm-hmm. you know, also like trying to come into a company and scale it. And uh, that's that's kind of like, not just in my career, but that's kind of how I lead like my lifestyle is, mm. is, is that framework. Yeah. Cool, man. So yeah, yeah I, I, I love that drive curiosity. I, I feel like that's a, that's a big one for me as well. Um, and a big thing that comes with curiosity, obviously, is the unknown, right? Curiosity for the mm. unknown to figure out, dip your tone, et cetera. Intuitively with, with the unknown, there's fear, right? So how yep. have you how have you evolved with your fears how have you been able to lean into them and how how has your i guess fear tolerance evolved over time as well uh, that's a great question man um yeah you're absolutely right like when you're when you're trying new things it's it's uncomfortable it's you're you're fearful of it but the kind of thing that i have recognized is that whatever is making you fearful or uncomfortable is probably the thing that you should be trying to get into next. Um, right, right, right. Right. Like if you, if you think about it, like there's a, there's this great book called like the obstacle is the way. Um, I, I think it's by Ryan holiday. Um, and basically like, that's what, what the book is about is like, if something makes you uncomfortable, like you should, you should steer into it. Like that is the way that you should move forward with your life. And I think it's because, you know inherently like maybe that is something that you want to conquer, but you're afraid of failing. Like public mm-hmm. speaking is a great example. Like everybody's afraid of, of public speaking, but um, that's because you know, we're afraid of messing up or, or whatever it is or, or getting embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But ultimately we want, everybody wants to be a great public speaker at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, you know, with me, if I can pinpoint something in my life that's making me uncomfortable that I don't want to deal with, or, you know, I don't want to approach then that's generally like something that I should, 
I know that I need to steer into. So that's kind of how I think about it. And it's actually like a great indicator for me in terms of like dealing with the fear. You know, I, I usually just make decisions fast and just jump into it. And, uh, if if it goes bad, it goes bad. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that sucks. But like, I just kind of just jump in and force myself to deal with the fear. Um, because I know that ultimately it's going to make me stronger and it's really difficult when you're in that situation. But if you can remind yourself like of these, of these principles, then, you know, you can keep going forward. And, um, that's kind of my approach, man, is, you know, steer into the discomfort and just, you know, you're not, you can try to warm yourself up but before you mm. jump in, but my, I, I just try to jump in before I psych myself out. Yeah. 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 No, that's that for sure. I'm the exact same way, man. Has, has that always, has that been an automatic thing or like in terms of being able to just jump in or ha- have you had hesitation that you've since gotten over? No, it's a constant, it's a constant like challenge to get better at it. It's, right. Because as you, as you like, you overcome challenges, these things that make you uncomfortable, then you, you get to move on to the next, the uh, new one. And yeah. like, that's part of the great thing about it is like you, that's how you kind of develop as a person, which is awesome. But you know, you face new ones, like those are the new challenges and they make you just as uncomfortable as the first one did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're probably more confident because you've overcome all these challenges along the way, yeah. but each one is still the next challenge that you have to face and it's still difficult. Right. Um, so I don't know, for me anyway, it doesn't feel like that's just a switch that, you know, I'm going to be able to turn off and then I'm just going to be running through every challenge in front of me after that. Like, it's just, I kind of feel like it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be like that. Right. And, right. um, it's going to be a constant, constant struggle to, to get better and better. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. it's never never-ending sort of thing i mean like i'll i always whenever i do something that like gives me some sort of like fear or hitch in my stuff like i've just kind of gotten used to eating it because i know it's going to be there you know what i mean it's not there like for me there's no such thing as fearless because like it's just like being fearful but like being like i don't care you know what i'm saying Mm. so people have tough time leaning into that so what would you say i mean you kind of spoke on it but what would you say if maybe somebody who's more conservative um, and has a really tough time um, sort of exploring and being curious and maybe they're low in openness and things like that. What would you mm. say to that kind of person who, who wants to, um, you know, evolve, but they're just, they're kind of paralyzed a little bit. Yeah. It's tough because, you know, that could, that could have like many root causes or root reasons as to why like a person's feeling that way. Um, I know for myself, like, I'm definitely, like, super, super high in openness, um, willing to take risks when they make sense and are, are, are measured. Like, you're saying that they're unafraid to, unafraid of taking risks? or they're, 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 like, they, want, they want to, but they're afraid, is essentially what I'm saying. They're afraid. Okay. And, uh, like, they're afraid to kind of step off, like, the traditional path or... Yeah, and, they, you know, a lot, of it's, a lot of it's social, right? They don't want to be seen as weird or they don't want to, you know kind of veering off and doing something that's unorthodox for example like how 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 would you say they should come to terms with that if they'd like to yeah okay i mean i'll tell you like i i i mean i dealt with this like in, in a lot of the moves i made like is pretty unorthodox for for like typical student that goes to ivy in business school mm-hmm. and like some of the things i told myself is like you know all of these social societal pressures like i mean you can let them influence you or, or you cannot. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like they don't have to be part of you and your reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, why should the expectations of my professors at business school and my classmates really dictate what I decide to do with my career? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Like, why should I really let those things influence my life when uh, ultimately it affects me way more than anybody else? Um, so those type of people, like, I, I, really, I really try to just completely ignore, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, what is different, though, is, like, the people that are closer to you and in your circle, your friends, your family, um, and maybe how they might kind of perceive these. And you can't necessarily, like, cut that out of, like, your reality and your thought processes. Um, but you still got to try to figure out what's best for you. And, um, so like though there, there might be some compromise. Like if you were to take a decision that's kind of unorthodox, are you willing to like kind of, you know, hamper a relationship with somebody to do that? Then like, that's yeah. something to kind of figure out on case by case. Right. Um, when it comes to it, like pressure and influence from other people, like I would say like, don't worry about it. Like do not let that influence you or enter your, your reality at all. Right. And, uh, I think for people our age that uh, you got to take risks. I think this is the, the best time to take risks. And, and uh, I'm constantly reminding myself of that, actually. I mean, do you, you want to take risks now when you're 21, 22? And, or do you want to, I mean, you're not going to be in a position to do that when you're 30, when you're 40, when yeah. you, you know, got a wedding on the way, when you have a kid on the way, when you've right. got way more responsibilities, you know, your risk appetite naturally goes down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I used to say this a lot and I didn't believe it, but now I really do believe it that, you know, we are, we are young and we can fail five times over, 10 times over in the next 10 years and still end up being like super successful and getting everything that we want. And I used to say that, but not really believe it. But now, like, I really do buy into that. Like, yeah. And I think I would also say that, um, I mean, you need to have that perspective. Like now is, is the only time that you're going to be able to take the, the big risk. Mm -hmm. uh, just because we have so much time, we have such little responsibility, we have so much more energy. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not going to get easier to make that decision if you delay it. And it's not going to get easier to make that decision if you're saying like, you know, I'll wait till I have this checkpoint in place or that checkpoint in place. It's, it's only going to get harder and harder to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially now, you know, opportunity cost is so much lower as well. Like wow. I remember when Amit and I were making that decision parallel to, you know, he was going to leave his job and I was going to leave school. I mean, like, what, what is my opportunity cost? I mean, it, it was very difficult to measure, like, you know, what is the value of a year of university? Um, mm -hmm. But for Amit, it's very easy to measure. It's, you know, it's one year salary as a consultant. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he, he cuts from, like, the, the same cloth as me and, like, was willing to take that risk. And um, But just think about it. Like, it's, those decisions only get harder and harder. The other thing I would say, though, is, like, when you do make that, make a, make a plunge like that and make a decision like that, that you got to be 100% sure about it. Because if you're not, when you go into it, uh, you can't be second guessing yourself. Yeah. Like you got you to gotta invest fully into it and, and mm -hmm. you can't have any regrets about it. Mm -hmm. um, like for me, like when I decided not to go back to school, it would have been like a lot worse for me if I wasn't 100% sure with it. Mm -hmm. um, I would have missed out on investing myself into that year with Scout mm -hmm. um, and also missed out on the, on the year of school I could have had. Um, same thing when I went back to school, like I could have missed out on my HBA experience if I hadn't fully invested myself into it. So, so I would say that too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure, man. So, you know, you, you spoke on sort of like how, you know, we should be taking risks, things like that. And we have a long horizon, which we absolutely do. Yeah. Uh, with, with current events and things like that, um, you know, the economy kind of being in, up in the air and things like that. What would you say for somebody who's just maybe graduating or maybe just got let go or something like that? It might be a little bit harder for them to sort of see the opportunity um, and things like that. So what would you say to that person that's kind of 
a little bit stuck in the now and, and it's kind of hard to see past it. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult time. Like it's, it's a difficult time for, for everybody for sure. I mean, I think the first like thing that I try to do every day, especially with everything going on. And like when I talk to my friends and we're catching up is like, let's like get into the right frame of mind here. Like let's not be down on ourselves with what's going on because um, truthfully, I think, you know, university students, I mean, if you just graduated university in, in Canada or the U.S., like, mm. you, you're, you're pretty fortunate. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, it sucks that, you know, maybe your full-time job or internships are canceled. But overall, and what's happening right now in the world, you know, people have it a lot worse. And, you know, we should be doing our part, staying indoors, being thankful, um, and trying to let, you know, the attention go to, like, the places that are hurting the most. And, you know, I'm talking people that are like really exposed to the virus, people that, you know, uh, countries that don't have the resources that they need to protect themselves, um, you know, businesses that are hurting, people with families losing their jobs or losing their income. Like that's kind of the people that I keep in mind during this time and be thinking about them and supporting them and, you know, try to be a bit more thankful for my situation. Mm. So that's kind of like, you know, have been like uh, talking to a lot of my friends about what's going on in the world so that we maintain, you know, some, some kind of positive attitude. But in terms of, you know, to make the most of this opportunity, you know, every, everything that I've been thinking about and talking about is just uh, use the time, like use the time to, to the best you can and, and invest in different places. Um, and when I say, when I, what I mean by that is like to invest in yourself, mm-hmm. um, figure out where you can really put your time to good use. I mean, you know, like the classic stuff is uh, investing into learning something new. Um, really developing skills, you know, you could do online courses, you could even, you know, if you were thinking about working, maybe you think about going back to school instead, um, trying to find a place to to invest yourself, and don't like lose out on this time and just let it go by. Um, so like, you know, that's one is investing into new skill sets, you could be investing into like something very, very specific, like, you know, learning a language or, you know, even into to fitness. Um but that's that's kind of my advice is just like to, to use the time to the best of your ability to invest into something and build something somewhere. I mean, and, and the other thing, too, is like it's talked about a lot, but like there's always chaos and op- uh, there's always opportunity in the chaos. I mean, like looking at the last recession that we had and people keep sharing it, but all of these massive businesses that were started as a rule, result of the recession, like Uber, Square, these massive corporations now um, that have had a ton of impact in just the last 10, 12 years. So, I mean, there's always chaos. I mean, opportunity in the chaos. Keep messing yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, so just try to keep that, that mindset. I mean, if you have, like, some money, like, look, you know, start getting into the market. See how you can invest it. It's, it's a good mm-hmm. time to getting into that. If you have, like, some ideas of something you want to try out, like, look to, to make a, a small investment there and see if it works out for you. Mm-hmm. And if you think about starting something, now is really the best time to do it as well. So, like, these are the type of things when I say, like, make an investment into something and, and really try to build something with this time. For sure. For sure. And, yeah, last question for you, man. What's the one thing that separates people who are successful versus not? I know we kind of touched on a lot of it, but if you were to say that yeah. kind of thing. You know what's kind of cool? I just want to bring this up because I thought it was interesting. I was watching that uh, The Last Dance yesterday. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, the, the the Michael the Michael Jordan um, uh, series right now on Netflix and Phil Jackson was talking about success actually and I thought this was really interesting he said that you are only successful in the moment that you have performed a successful act which was really interesting and and thinking about you know how did this coach motivate these guys through six championships mm-hmm. um, and and seeing Michael Jordan you know after his first few championships every single one 
that he won after that. Like, how did how did you find the motivation to keep going, um, especially when there's so much building pressure? And you know, it eventually became more of a relief than joy for him. So I thought that was super interesting. You know, to to look at success as being successful and in only in the moment that you perform that successful act, that it's not a threshold that you cross into. And once you right. get there, you get lazy. Right. So I just want to see what you thought about that. Yeah, I, I definitely think whenever I look at somebody who is successful, they're never like, I'm successful, I'm good. Right. It's And it's not necessarily like a, a unsatisfied feeling that you can be satisfied, but like there's always a drive for more, to do more, to make the most of it, because it's sort of like a never ending battle. Well, what is something that, you know, people that, that do that repeatedly find success like have? A lot of, for sure, is like the ability to just adapt, the ability to, to embrace change. Um, people that I met that are like really, really sharp people, people that I really respect, like before the age of 40, you know, they've worked with multiple companies in different verticals and different roles, and they're not afraid mm-hmm. to take on new challenges. And I think what, how that really contributes to like them being successful is, you know, whenever you kind of conquer a new new area of expertise or new world, then you have like new opportunities, you know, to find, you know, how do those different worlds come together, um, which is like one thing. And then you build this really unique expertise that kind of spans across like different areas. Um, and you also build a ton of confidence as well. I think that uh, when you when you're able to do different things really, really well and because they don't limit themselves by embracing change, by looking, embracing new opportunities. You know, they're always having conversations. They're always willing to take a coffee chat. They're always willing to think about, hey, what would my life look like if I went into this or that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for sure, you know, always like being open to the newest opportunities and be willing to accept change and then uh, and successfully execute when you when you decide to take it on. For sure. For sure. Man, Raga, that was beautiful. That was a beautiful answer, man. I. Uh... I appreciate you coming on, dude. I, you know, I, I know, I knew most of that story, but there's actually a lot that I learned uh, just from you, sort of formally going through it, man. So thank you for that. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm sure the people too. It, it, it was cool to sit down and, and just chat like that, man. It was fun. Awesome, awesome. So, my friends, that's all I have for you today. I actually do have a quick new money mailbag question that I will answer. So Corinne JC on Instagram asked me, Hey Nate, listen to your recent episode. Thought of good advice. Thank you. I appreciate that. How important diversifying income is. Okay, cool. So diversifying your income is essentially like how important is diversifying your income? I think it's very, very important, but here, here's what I, here's what I think. Diversifying your income. Really all it means is just having, having different sources of income. I think a lot of people, sort of see when they first start getting into like you know passive income whatever they they're like oh okay great i just need to have like a bunch of revenue streams and so they do a million different things and and get marginal revenue streams from all of them right i'd argue that the more effective approach is to pursue something go all in on it right get it to a point where it's actually built it's legit and then move on to the next thing and so over time you develop your revenue streams versus you know, immediately trying to have seven or eight different ones, right? Like two different jobs, an e-commerce, something, this, that. You're just going to get stretched too thin and none of the revenue streams are going to be worth it. 
right? And so let's make those sources legit. So let's focus on one at a time, build them up, and then move on to the next one. So that's probably what I'd say to that. And again, that's my opinion. Some Maybe some people would argue with me. They'd say you should just jump right in. I, I don't believe that. But thank you so much for that question. That's a great question. But that's it for this week's interview. Again, I really enjoyed it. Raghav is the man. Like, I love that guy. Loved hearing his story. And, you know, I look up to him, to be honest. He's just, he's an awesome friend. And I really enjoyed bringing him on here. This week's episode is going to be pretty motivational. A little bit of rah-rah. And, you know, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy it. (laughs) But uh, I'll be back on Sunday to release that. But other than that, guys, have a good day. I'm out this mother. Peace.